to the great guests. Just keep on coming. We have another great guest uh, with us live via telephone right now. We've been telling you about JOMA, the Jewish Orthodox Women's Medical Association, and the incredible job that they are doing through networking, education, and mentorship in so many different areas of our community. They have taken a special interest in COVID-19 and vaccinating our community. I mean, they'd like to vaccinate every community, frankly, but they're concentrating on ours. Uh, And if you go to their website, joma.org, there is a tab at the top of the page that says Patient EDU for Patient Education. And right there, you'll find their podcast, you'll find their COVID-19 analysis, et cetera, et cetera. There's plenty there to look at and um, to use in order to get educated regarding the vaccine. Uh, Dr. Alyssa Minkin is with us live via telephone. Uh, She serves as chair of the Joma Preventative Health and hosts Joma's podcast, which provides health education gear to the Orthodox community. She also produces the Joma Preventative Health Hotline, which is 929-4-GESUNT. I'm not joking. That's the number. 929-4-GESUNT. She's a board-certified pediatrician in Oceanside, attended Johns Hopkins, followed by uh, NYU School of Medicine. And... um, She's an active member of the Haredi Health Coalition, which serves as a liaison between New York City's Department of Health and the Haredi community. The podcast that we mentioned has released 19 episodes covering COVID-19 and COVID-19 vaccination, including uh, recent episodes on the topic, with a whole bunch of interesting interviews with the personalities in the medical world. Uh, Dr. Minkin's public health efforts on behalf of the Orthodox community have been featured in numerous Orthodox media outlets including Mishpacha Magazine, Wellspring Magazine, and now JM in the AM. Dr. Alyssa Minkin, a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Thank you so much for having me. 19 podcasts. Is there that much to say about COVID-19? Well, there'll be 20 this week. <laughs> There's a lot to say. <laughs> and you cannot, and, and, and so far you're not wanting for uh, for topics, huh? No, no. I mean, we do a lot of other topics as well, but we definitely have a strong focus. I mean, this is what's happening right now. Yeah, well, that's for sure. And now, of course, uh, one of the efforts that we're trying to uh, spearhead and uh, and follow, really, in your organization's, uh, your organization's lead is uh, the one about vaccinations in our community. Uh, I don't know how this compares, and by this I mean the COVID-19 vaccination effort, how this compares with general vaccination efforts in our community. In general, there are segments in our community that are not receptive. And I'm talking about, you know, flu shots and also required mm-hmm. shots required shots for school. Uh, th- there are uh, many people in our community and segments of our community uh, that have never adjusted um, to uh, following the rule of vaccination. Number one, has that changed at all, especially with your organization's efforts? And have you noticed when it comes to the COVID-19 vaccine, that people in our community are a bit more receptive? Well, first of all, it's not just our community. I mean, I, I think that the news likes to show us not vaccinating. They'd like to show us, you know, doing a lot of things in an unfavorable light. And I think, unfortunately, the Jews, um, including the Orthodox Jews, are, are an easy scapegoat. Um, but the truth is, this is a universal phenomenon of people with what's called now politely vaccine hesitance. Um, There's actually a spectrum between vaccine hesitance and what we call anti-vax or true anti-vaccine ideas. And I don't really think that it's different. I think it exists in our community and it exists in all communities. I think there is a um, another segment that 
is more anti, you know, more hesitant to vaccines because of of our history, you know, similar to right. other minority groups. Right. But we, we shouldn't say that this is our community and just our community. That's uh, the most important thing. Understood. Right. Number one. And number two, yes, of course, it's different with the COVID vaccine. It's a new vaccine and it uses technology we're not familiar with. So there is more hesitance with that vaccine for sure. Um, how much does education help? I know that ignorance has been responsible, unfortunately, for a lot of disasters in our community. We saw that when it came to adhering to guidelines a year ago and even, you know, even less than a year ago. Um, uh, ignorance sometimes can uh, can lead to some really tough situations when it comes to uh, trying to take care of oneself or, or not trying, depending, again, on the attitude of the person. But um, how much does the education help as you as you do all these podcasts? As these seminars are planned and people, you know, zoom in or in person find out more and more information, do you get the feeling that the people you just described in our community are ready to turn a corner, are ready to to give this, excuse the uh, pun, a shot at uh, at using the vaccine and and hoping that, you know, it will change things for their family? So, first of all, it's not simply that people don't know, it's that they don't trust. And there's a whole other issue with lack of trust, which we should understand right now, because we've had a lot of mixed messaging, to say it nicely, from our big organizations, right, like the CDC, for example. So you have to build trust, and that takes time, and everybody's different. It's not that you can make a uniform, okay, we're going to tell people and they're going to do it. It doesn't work like that. You have to build trust, and there's going to be a whole spectrum. So there are people who you give a little piece of information to, and they're like, wow, that was what I was worried about, and now I'm not. And I've certainly heard that from people. There are other people that no matter what you say, you will never convince them. Their minds are made up. And that is not the segment we're looking for. We're not trying to change the minds of the anti-vax. I get that. Dr. Alyssa Minkin is with us. Information about all this, go to the JOMO website, Jewish Orthodox Women's Medical Association. Click on the patient EDU tab and learn more about the efficacy of COVID-19 vaccines. Uh, We're getting to a point where it is possible that one is going to be restricted from certain activities if they are not vaccinated, of a certain age, obviously. It may be that they will not allow you to fly internationally without proof of vaccine. It might even mean that you won't be able to fly within this country without proof of vaccination. And I wonder what's going to happen with the um, with the younger set uh, um, of, um, you know, our children in our community, you know, will they be required to add another vaccination to the list when September rolls around? Will they be allowed in school if their own adults, if their own parents and adults in their family are not vaccinated? I mean, these have to be issues that people are thinking about right now. Oh, of course. Now, there's a two different things you said. One is, is rules for, um, for example, international travel, right. um, for adults. And then you kind of put in mandating school vaccines. Right. School vaccines aren't going to be mandated anytime soon. This is under an emergency use authorization that hasn't been um, studied. It's in the process of being studied on younger children, but we do not have data to say mm. that this is safe for children. So it cannot be mandated. I know a lot of people, I've seen people who are afraid of it before the vaccines were even out, right. by the way. <laughs> they came into my office crying, they're going to mandate it for children. And I'm like, there's no vaccine yet. Um, 
And that, by the way, is the work of the anti-vaccine world, terrifying people before there was even a vaccine available. Um, Now, in terms of mandates for international travel, um, I do see this as happening. I see that as being mandated for the workforce for adults. Um, And that is because people are not going, if they're not going to choose to vaccinate, that's what's going to have to happen. I personally am not for mandates. I wish people would choose. I wish people would get the information and make a good choice. But... Um, I think that's going to happen. And it's interesting because I had someone tell me who was hesitant to get the vaccine. She said, I'm waiting for them to mandate it. But I, I need a little kick in the rear end. <laughs> <laughs> they, they want the government to, to put the hammer down. <laughs> well, yes, because people who are hesitant are often just anxious and they just can't make up their mind. Right. And that's what happened with the vaccines for school. Um, you know, they ended up being, being mandated because not enough people were choosing yes to make it safe for children to go to school. Right. Again, I'm not going pro-mandates pro here. Um, I'm not. I want people to choose. I want people to have the freedom to choose. But I, unfortunately, the anti-vaccine world is going to lead us to mandates right. by convincing enough people not to vaccinate. By the way, they're fault. <laughs> right. by the way, I should make it clear that on March 11th, this past Thursday, I had my second vaccination. And I think that... Mazel tov. Thank you. I, I think one of the reasons that people are... Um, are hesitant or why this gets bad publicity is is the supposed side effects or after effects. Now, I did, in all seriousness, I did uh, after my first vaccine. I, I just didn't feel great for a week. You know what I mean? Like, I went to work, mm-hmm. and I don't think anybody out there would have realized I wasn't feeling well. But it was really hard to get out of bed that week, et cetera. And, that's a, and now, thank God, the second vaccine, I mean, you know, Friday morning, I, I felt a drop. You know, like I, I realized I wasn't a hundred percent myself. I don't think anybody else did, and since then, thank God, I've been fine. But you know, when it comes, but and, so, compare it to the flu shot. Compare it to I don't know. The, there are other vaccines available now. Shingles is available. Pneumonia is available. I mean, do all these also have minor side and after effects, or is it only COVID nineteen that has this almost guaranteed that something's gonna feel not right afterwards? I mean, first of all, it's not almost guaranteed. Number one. Number two, it's interesting. Did you have COVID already? No. Oh, because they, they say that the likelihood of more side effects to this vaccine is when you've had COVID into the second when you haven't. Oh, That's what we're observing so far, because it would be like this. The first dose would be your booster. Anyway, mm, um, interesting. the shingles vaccine is noted for prominent side effects. Wow. Um, but a lot of the vaccines don't have as, as um, prominent side effects as the COVID vaccine. It is true that you can get... For example, fever, headache, right. you can feel like you have the flu for like a day. It does happen. It happened to me. And my reaction was, yes, it's working. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the arm pain, of course, is a reminder that you had it also, right? <laughs> yes, and every time I touch them, I'm like, yes, something's happening. The mRNA is doing something. <laughs> I like that. All right, so you have, you have a very positive attitude in the aftermath of the vaccine. <laughs> I, I do because it's no comparison to COVID. I mean, yes, you might be lucky and get no symptoms to COVID. Right. But you can get very sick from COVID, and you can have long-term side effects yep. of COVID. So to me, it was a no-brainer. Yeah. You know, it's funny because uh, – funny, wrong word, but it's interesting that um, one of the reasons we don't know what can happen to people down the road, the long-term effects that you just alluded to, mm-hmm. is because we haven't been there yet, right? It's only been a short right. a short road so far. And right. I, I fear – and I, I pray that it doesn't happen because I know a lot of people who I'm, you know, who I'm really fond of who had COVID. And I really hope that down the road they're, you know, they're not adversely affected and that they because I, I, I have a close friend who had a really, really serious case of COVID early on. And till this day, 
he's not 100% right and still has breathing problems. Right, and you hear, right. and you just wonder, you know, what will all of this, uh, what, what will the, the difficulty that one goes through now, how is that going to affect one down the road? Right. Well, that's, that's the thing. Like, people are worried about long-term side effects. They say, right. but we already know there's long-term side effects of COVID. We can see it with our eyes. Yeah. And so you're making a risk-benefit decision. To me, like I said, it's a no-brainer. Do you think we'll need a vaccine next year again or not? Like I you... think we're going to need a booster because we have the variants, you know, the muta- yeah. mutations out there already. But it's funny so because, already... I, mean, I mean, I come from a background where, you know, you automatically, unless you're just lazy, you automatically get a flu shot every year. Like, you know. So, right. So the flu is different from COVID. The flu changes more rapidly than COVID changes. So it, it's more difficult to uh, vaccinate for the flu than it's been for COVID, and thank God for that. No, you know, I, we're I, really having more effective vaccines for COVID than for the flu. Yeah, but I'm sort of saying it from a different angle, from the consumer mm-hmm. angle, not the medical angle. Like you're used to it. Yeah, you're I'm used. To, I'm, used to, I'm used to it. I, I I get its side effects. I made the biggest mistake of getting my flu shot this year at 5 p.m. Erev Sukkot, so first day on time. No. I, I, I was terrible. <laughs> it was such a stupid mistake. So I felt awful the entire first day on time. But, oh, no. but aside from that, like that, you know, every, and everyone who gets it knows what to expect from it. Uh, right. if, if you're saying that the that the that that it's that the COVID nineteen um, disease in general is not as ever changing as the flu, that might indicate we're going to be ending up taking that vaccine less often, right? We may. We just don't know. We just right. don't know. And also, those who think that that summer camps, I'm just going back now to the school thing for a moment because it struck a chord with me. Because people have said to me, "Oh, you're going to see summer camps are going to be required." to vaccinate everybody either before or during the summer in anticipation of the following school year. Based on what you're saying, that's not true at all. They're not going to insist not on for children. And, right, they they can't. No, including teenagers, right? Including teenagers won't be, uh, right? So the vaccine is approved for one of them is 16, one of them is 18. I think the Pfizer is 16 and the Moderna is 18. I'm not sure about the Johnson & Johnson. Um, so if it's approved, camps can say it's required. Camps can make a rule. You know, they're camps. Right. They may want their counselors to be vaccinated to protect. Right, but that's other but that's camp, staff. But the younger teens would never apply to you're saying. That's what you're, right. That's they what can't. you're making right, and that, that you're making clear, and you're making that clear for us, which I appreciate. Right. Because a lot right. of people, I'm sure, are concerned about that. All right, um, Doctor Alyssa Minkin is with us uh, live via telephone. We are talking about the uh, uh, incredible work that Joma's doing. Uh, I do encourage everybody to check out their podcasts. Uh, I encourage those who are in agreement with the people on this call that we need to get to a point where more and more people in our community are vaccinated. And we need to educate people who are questioning and wondering and are worried about and concerned about the vaccine. We need to educate them as to why it's a good idea uh, for the adults and their family to go ahead and get uh, and to get vaccinated. Uh, for more information, go to the Joma website, jowma.org, jowma.org, the Jewish Orthodox Women's Medical Association. Click on Patient EDU. The aforementioned podcast and the, the COVID-19 response information is under that tab, Patient EDU. Uh, Dr. Minkin, anything else you'd like to add? Well, I would say it's not just education. I think it's communication. Right. Right? Because it's not that people don't know, often they're scared. Right. So we're here to have those conversations, not to judge and not to tell people, but to communicate. And uh, one of our prior guests um, made a point to mention that everybody they know in the medical community has been vaccinated. Like you, mm-hmm. can, like you can't even find anybody 
who's most familiar with this, and that's obviously people on the front lines like yourself, who's most familiar with the way this stuff works, you can't find anybody who doesn't think it's a good idea to get right. vaccinated. I, right. I, I cried when I got my vaccine, and I'm waiting for my adult children to get it. Whichever one they take, by the way, that's one other thing I want to add, is that right now I don't think it's time to make spreadsheets. I think the first vaccine that you can get, that you can get in your arm, is the one to get. I feel guilty, by the way, that I didn't get emotional during the vaccine. I was just happy. I was just happy that that's, it was That's like, an emotion. That's an emotion. Yeah, a good one. So. Also, my vaccine at the Javits Center, I posted this on Facebook, was administered by the uh, great-granddaughter of Rav Shmuel, uh, of Rav Shmuel um, a salon, Rav Shmuel Salant of Israel, of Yerushalayim. Wow. Yeah. Is that funny? Wow. With all that's the, awesome. With all the people that I could have ended up with, is that funny that that happened like that? Wow, that's <laughs> awesome. I think your group or one of the groups that that, that deal with uh, with Jewish nurses actually shared that post. Uh, but it was really funny. I mean, this is uh, this was a woman who's relatively unfamiliar with uh, our tradition, but proudly told me who her great grandfather was, which was really cool. Anyway. Oh, that's lovely. So there you go. You see, you see the so va- nice. the vaccination process actually was a highlight for me. It was actually Wow. <laughs> so there good you go. Good for you and good for her. I appreciate that. You never know who you're going to meet at the Javits Center is the lesson from all this. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I can't thank you enough for all your work. Best regards everybody at Joma and let us hope that uh, you and me and everybody out there who's trying our best to get everybody in our community vaccinated are successful. Have a high kosher vesamech and thanks for joining you us. Too. Thank you. Be well. Much appreciated. Dr. Alyssa Minkin, everybody. And um, doing a lot of stuff between the podcast and the and the different uh, meetings and lectures that uh, that Joma's putting together. A lot of material going out and, and being distributed and being disseminated regarding the importance of uh, getting vaccinated. And let us hope that... Uh, let us hope that more and more people understand that the medical community, and I think that may be the most important point, by the way, the people most familiar with how these vaccines work. I get the whole libertarian thing and the whole I have a right not to get it. I Believe me, I get the whole thing. And I get the distrust. I, I know that there's some sensitive topics out there. But when every single person in the community who is involved in the world of medicine and you can't find a dissenting voice that it's not a good idea to take it. You got to think about that. 